Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 58 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. I am the host of this show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can also follow myself on Twitter at JustinHughes365. And you can follow my co-host, Andrew McQuiston, at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so, join our Facebook group, Baseball365 on Facebook. We have over 1,800 members discussing baseball 365 days a year. I guess since this is leap year, it's Baseball 366. And if you'd like to support the show, the best way you can do to do so is to go to iTunes or whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. If you do that between now and the end of February and either tweet the podcast at Baseball365Pod or myself on Facebook Messenger at – or my name Justin Hughes. You can – Easiest way to find me is in Baseball 365. If you can give us a five-star review on your phone or on your computer screen and send me a screenshot with that rating. You don't have to write out a review. Just give us a five-star rating. If you do that, I'm going to enter you into a drawing to get – Well, and we're going to send somebody a Baseball 365 t-shirt. Or we have some tank tops. If you want, we'll send you a tank top instead, whichever one you want. Just give us a five-star review and reach out to me, and I will get you in the drawing. As This is part two of the – out, or actually part three of the Outfielders podcast where Andrew and I are discussing the NFBC ADP. And we left off a couple days ago, and this is going to be the final chapter, I guess you could say, of the Outfielders. So Andrew is not here right now because I'm pre-recording this. And we'll get right back and or jump right in now for the final part of the outfielders. Enjoy. Okay, well, let's move on to the next tier here. I've got four outfielders to go over and actually... Well, let me take that back. All four of these guys are going to be guys we're going to talk about on other podcasts if we haven't already. 46, Scott Kingery, and we talked about him on third base. Garrett Hampson at 47. We're talking all these guys is between pick 165 and about 180 or so. Uh, Garrett Hampson we'll talk about on second base. 48, J.D. Davis, we discussed him on third base. And Hunter Dozier we discussed on third base also. And we'll pick back up with outfielders to discuss at 50 with Lorenzo Cain at 184 overall. Mitch Haneker at 187, 51st outfielder off the board. Nick Sinzel at 193. Brian Reynolds, one of the breakouts from last year with the Pirates at 194. And Andrew McCutcheon at 201. So let's start off with Cain, who's been a player I've liked over the last few years. And he finally started showing some signs of slipping last year at the age of 32. In 27 and t- 2017 and 2018, he combined for a war of 9.9. And last year, it was down to 1.5 in one season. 
I did read an interview recently that saying he's feeling a lot better and was dealing with a lot of dings last year, but he's also 32. Are I'm wondering, are these still skills starting to slip, or is this a guy who's better than what he showed and worth the discounted price? Do you, do you lean one way or another on that? Uh, I think I lean towards avoiding him, but it's not terrible. I mean, at 184, I, I think most of it is just going to come down to how much is he still running. He really dropped off as a hitter too last year. So it's just, it's hard to say the lineup's good. How long are they going to stick with him at the top of it? I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but, um, WRC plus went from 124 in 2018 to 83 last year. So he's a well below average hitter last year and the steals dropped from 30 to 18. So if you think that the steals will bounce back at age 33, basically 34, he turns 34 right after the season starts. I get it, but I don't really know how you can be too optimistic about that. So I think I'm probably out on Kane, but yeah, it's just me. There will definitely be people in on him. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I'm going to be investing. I think there's other guys I'd rather put my investment in. Uh, Mitch Haniger had a setback last week, had core surgery, which puts him out six to eight weeks, and he could miss opening day, but he might make it back in time. It's going to be close. Because of this news, the price should drop some. And does this make you more the person who thinks you could be getting a good price out of Hanniger now? Or is this someone you want no part of? Jared LaRiviere actually asked us the same question, wondering if he's fantasy relevant after the setback. So it's two different questions there. I would think he's fantasy relevant still, but do you think you'd be in on him if he is starting to move down at a discounted price? How far he'd have to move before you'd be in on him? Yeah, it's weird with Hanniger. I I think I actually w- was gonna be in on him oh, yeah? until I heard until I heard about this core surgery. Uh, I've never really the the weird thing is is I've I've never really been in on Hanniger. Like I thought for the couple years there where he was kind of getting a lot of publicity and stuff. You know, just was kind of he had a good year in 2018. Yes, he not did. A bad, not a bad partial year in 2017. But I was never really a believer, and especially when you factored in where he was going in drafts, it was a lot higher than this. So I just didn't I just didn't really like him. This year, I was kind of looking at it like, man, this is a pretty good discount. This guy was going – I don't remember. Do you remember where he was going last year? But it was – I know it was way higher than this. I'd have to do some digging. I don't remember for sure. Yeah, if you keep I talking, I might be able to find it. I don't either. But, um, but yeah, now with this – especially with me being somebody who's kind of always faded him. I don't really know what to think. I don't really like drafting a guy that I question when he's going to be back. I mean, when they, when they say he could miss opening day and it's January, that's not a good thing. You know, and I always feel like when I do that, it bleeds into late April, then it bleeds into May. I mean, I just don't know, you know? So I, I think it could drop to the point where it's interesting, but it's definitely going to probably have to drop from here. 
You're right. He was outfielder 25, uh, outfielder yeah. 25 at 91 overall. So you're talking the top of the seventh round last year. So you're right. Yeah. That is a big drop. Yeah. And I just was never interested in him at that price. But I mean, here I kind of did was feeling like, you know, he could bounce back and he still could. I mean, if he's ready opening day or shortly thereafter, he could be totally fine and be a, a good bargain, really, because uh, last year was just beat up for the most part. So I um, I could see I, I can get behind him where he's probably going to drop to, but he's going to have to drop behind a few of these guys below him for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a few more baseball 365 questions from this group of players. And the first is about Sinzel. Uh, good listener who's been with us, I think, since early last year. Kevin Obarski asked what our expectations are from Sinzel. And Andrew, the last few seasons have been pretty frustrating for Sinzel and his fantasy owners. I think it was the former 2017 first year player draft pick. He was pretty. Well, no, like I think he was going first in all the a lot, the majority of the first year player drafts that year. And he's really struggled with health from vertigo to other injuries in 2018. And then last year, his season ended early and he had surgery in September to repair a torn labrum. The hope is he's ready to go at the beginning of the season. And Steamer has a surprisingly optimistic projection for him. And. With him staying healthy, getting 597 plate appearances, 18 home runs, 17 steals, and a 260 batting average. I definitely, personally, would be taking the under on those playing plate appearances, home runs, and steals. Not because he isn't good, but just because the poor guy can't stay healthy. 260, 18 home runs, 17 steals. What would you take, over or under on those three? I think, they've, adju- I think they've adjusted it. Since you did this, because really? it's lower, I'm looking at it and it's lower. They've got him for 14 and 14. Yeah, they have dropped that so, in the last couple of days since I made the notes. Yeah. Okay, so 489 plate appearances, which I'm still taking the under on. That with 14 homers, yeah, 14 it, steals. I hate to call somebody injury prone like Dahl, but man, it's just stacking up with Sinzel. Yeah, I actually have a share. Um, I took him in. Remember when I said on the third base podcast how I was doing my draft champions and Justin Turner was the worst snipe of the draft? Yes. I took Senzel after. How far after? I've got the next pick. Oh, man. I know you'd rather have Turner, but man, that that hurts. Yeah, definitely. Um with Senzel, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. I mean, I think he's a pretty good player. I think that with the vibe that I get with Senzel is early in his career, it's going to be a little bit frustrating because of the injuries. And I, I think people are going to kind of jump off, and then I think he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Once once everybody kind of – if, if you don't remember – this and I'm not saying he's this type of player, but it reminds me of what could happen here. You remember back in the early stage of his career when Anthony Rendon was like the most injury. Oh my guy? gosh! Yeah, that's no. I, I got to cut you off here. As you were saying all of that about you think he'll eventually be good, I was like, that's just like Anthony Rendon. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't, uh, I was, I, you know what I thought you were, I thought you were going to say we're not recording or something like that. <laughs> no, so I guess we're good. Yes. I guess we're good there. Yeah. We were just on the same wavelength and I'm like, how the hell did you pick the same name out of that hat? Yeah. Well, no, I just, and I don't think that he's probably ever going to get to that level, but I do think he's a talent. He's talented. I mean, he can yeah. hit. I think he has some pop. I think he has some speed. Like, there's talent there. But uh, it may take a little time for it to all kind of come together. There's obviously a log jam here. I actually heard a, one rumor. I forget where I heard it, that he might play shortstop. Have you heard that? I think I'd heard he might move back to the infield. I didn't know shortstop. That's interesting. Well, I, I don't know. I just heard it, I think, in one spot. And the only thing that I thought of is, are they trying to have the worst infield of all, <laughs> defensive infield of all time? He wasn't I even mean, drafted as a shortstop, was he? I think that I saw he's played one game in the minor leagues at shortstop. Can you imagine a middle infield of Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel? Wow. <laughs> uh, they actually, you know what? They've Roster got Moustakis at third, yeah. Well, they adjusted because of the Suarez injury. So, Oh, that's Moustak- right. That's why Moustakis- Josh Van Peter's in there. Yeah, Moustakis will probably play third until Suarez is available. But then he's going to play second. So I just thought, I don't know if Senzel would go to short. I mean, I just heard one thing about it. But um, if he plays short and Moustakis is playing second, Oh man, that's just—it's going to be a sore eyes to watch that the defense, the defense on that middle middle infield. But no, I think Senzel's fine. I—it's all going to come down to how much he plays to me, because I think if he's in there regularly, like the games when he's actually playing, he's going to be valuable. So it really just comes down to playing time, not only with the injuries, but how much the Reds are going to actually play him. I think he's probably going to play when he's healthy. I mean, he's definitely better to me than some of these guys so it's it's mostly about plate appearances people are disappointed with what he did i hear a lot of that but he played in in terms of even his production but he played 104 games and had 12 home runs and 14 steals and his batting average is 256 that's not going to kill you by any means and yeah there's room for growth there that's his first real big stretch as or actually his first stretch as a major leaguer and yeah. that doesn't, you know, growth is not linear with these guys. So I'm not saying he's going to be better, but there's room for growth. And if worst case, if he's not, but he's still staying on the field, you're going to get a solid player. Yeah, so. I could be, I, like I said, I could see it just being a little bit of a slow burn with him. We're in like three years. Everyone's kind of forgotten or he's just been like whatever and kind of sinking in drafts and then he blows up. I, I could see it for sure. It's just. It's going to come a lot down to health and playing time and stuff. But I think assuming health. He's I can't play. believe you said Anthony Rendon there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another at guy. Least, ju- at least go- we're still recording. That's all. Yes, we are still on here. You guys will are hearing this right now. <laughs> that means I did hit the record button and it's still recording. I see a red dot over there, which means the light that's going. Uh, another question that came from Jared LaRiviere is our expectations for Brian Reynolds and what they are for 2020 after a breakout season last year. I'll let you start. What do you think about him? I think he's just kind of a steady contributor across the board. 
Um, pretty good hitter. Should be a positive in batting average. I want to say he hit 288 last year, maybe, or maybe that was the projection. 314. Yeah, yeah, he's projected for 288. Project, yeah, projection 288. Yeah, so 314 last year. He was pretty good last year. Three win player, 134 games. Um, and a lot of his uh, stat cast data and stuff backs it up. So I think he's a guy that's easy to sleep on because he's in Pittsburgh and it was a little bit out of nowhere. But overall, it looks pretty good. If you're looking for just kind of a steady contributor in this spot, spot in the draft, I think he's fine. Yeah, I he's like the steady. Next, I, like the next, I like the next guy more, though. He's kind of a poor man's Michael Brantley in a way. He, you know, steady, not great power hitter, but give you a little bit of home runs with solid batting average, but nowhere near the runs in RBI. He's a, and I'll add, I heard this on another podcast talking about Josh Bell, the Marte, Starling Marte, who we talked about last episode, since we recorded last, he was traded to Arizona. That's going to downshift the runs in RBI for some guys hitting in the middle of that lineup. Because Marte, while he was just a, he's a better player than what they're going to have in there. So that, that is a downshift. So yeah, he's fine. I'm not. I don't see him being somebody I'm getting. I traded him in my dynasty league because I had roster problems last year and uh, crunch, and I just needed to move him. And I traded him real cheap. But uh, did you say the next guy you would take over him? Right? Is that what over you just Reynolds, said? Over yeah. Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. I would take the next All right. guy over. Let's go into the guy who I loved last year, and I think you were in on him too. I don't remember if you were quite to my level. Because I said he would have, in the Bold Predictions podcast, he would have more value than Javi Baez last year. That didn't work out. But that's Andrew McCutcheon. And I'd gladly, again, go double down and take him as an outfielder four is where we're at. I, Like I said, I beat his drum last year as he was hitting in the best hitter's park he's been in. And unfortunately, the ACL injury ended his season. I think it was May. Now... This may mean he could run less. I know he was projected for 10 to 15 steals, and I don't know if I'd project double digits for him, but I like his bat in that lineup hitting atop of it as an as if outfielder four who could hit 20 to 25 home runs and maybe upper single digit steals still. I I love Kutch. I just I've underrated. I've I went from thinking he was overrated for quite a few years to I think he's just gone too far the other way the last few. Yep, I'm with you. Not much to add. Um, this is another guy when we were talking about Michael Conforto when I said Kepler a little later. Look at this, uh, these stats here on like the steamer projection. and I'm looking at him sim- for the first time. It looks pretty similar to Conforto, and we're about 80 picks later now. So, yeah, I love Kutch. I mean, he's going to play. Like, he's a lock to play. There's no playing time risk. Um just got to hope he stays healthy. He didn't last year, but that has nothing to do with what you the think previous, this year. I mean, his low games played since coming up before last year was 146. He's been a rock-solid guy for staying healthy on the field. And an ACL injury, that could happen to anybody. I'm not going to give any credence to that affecting him this year. Unless, I mean, ACLs usually, they heal up and guys are back okay. So, yeah, love Kacha yep. as an outfield four. Well, hopefully I can get a share because I made the joke. I, I 
maybe, I don't know if joke's the right word, but when he tore that ACL last year, I mentioned that I absolutely loved him and was in on him last year, and I didn't get him in a single in either one of my redraft leagues. And maybe I'll actually get some shares this year, hopefully. Yeah, I got him in my uh, NFPC draft. I did round 15, pick 216. So, so we're going to play a game of chicken on him with our three baseball 365 draft because we picked back-to-back. <laughs> yeah. Who's gonna? Which one of us is going to get cut? Let me ask there's, you this right now. Would you take? Dec- there's probably a decent chance one of us gets him. Actually, that's. I was going to say, would you take more likely or less likely that one of the two of us has him or the field? It's probably about fifty-fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah, you're right. probably. Yeah. Oh, I hope one of our listeners hears that. If one, I, I'm sorry, one of our league mates in that league. If you are in that league with us and you hear this. Please let me know either on the baseball group or on Twitter just to give me a good laugh for my own sake. Uh, let me know. It's, a, it's the draft and hold two league. Okay. Yes. There you go. Okay. Let's move. Actually, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back and we'll move on with the outfielder 55 on here. Okay, we're back from break, and we'll go right here, 55 through 59, and we're talking picks 203 to 234. So what is that, like the 14th to 16th round here we're talking. And Jock Peterson, who we talked about on first base, he's the outfielder number 55. Adam Eaton, who we've previously discussed, I almost said disgusted. Adam Eaton, who we talked about before, is outfielder 56. Joe Adele, the kid who should is expected to be up early this next year, is outfielder 57 at 206 overall. Alex Verdugo. See, I can say it right. Every once in a while, if I think about it, I won't call him Alex Vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> at 58. And then Justin Upton, outfielder number 59 here at 234 overall. Uh, Adam Eaton, we talked about him before, doesn't have a high ceiling but I'm floored that he continues being undervalued year after year because I think this is a theme that's happened three or four years in a row. I love his value here at 50, outfielder 56 as a fourth outfielder. Or if you get McCutcheon, take him right afterwards as a fifth. That's a really good-looking back half of your outfield. But we already talked about him, unless you got something to add. We're going to move on to Adele here. He's the sexy name on this list, and... Lou Landers asked us to predict how many at-bats Adele gets in 2020. And, Andrew, I know you have an Adele share in Dynasty. Where would you set the over-under? Where, where, what kind of range do you think his at-bats will be at this year? I don't like doing this. Um, I just feel like it's just a such a guess. Like, I have no idea. I would say probably... 350. That was the first number I came up with, and I moved it up to 400. Yeah, I was actually, I was thinking 400, then I moved it down. So, yeah, (laughs) 350 to 400, yeah, somewhere in there. You know, it's really weird when you look at steamer projections for him and Luis Robert, because both of them as prospects are viewed about equally. They're both top five outfielders on most 
fantasy lists with one being two and, and a lot of them, Robert's three. Adele's typically number two. And Robert or Julio Rodriguez in lists I've seen lately, it seems like they're kind of both getting up there in a lot of lists that I've seen. But Robert's projected for 2020 and having this fantastic year. And Steamer for Adele has 210 at-bats with seven home runs and three RBI. And I think I brought that three steals, yes. (laughs) Seven home runs and three RBI, that'd be hard to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, I brought that up to you before, and you're like, well, I think that part of that's because of the years they had last year, and I think that makes sense. But Adele, you know, was pretty good when he came back from that injury to start the year, moved up to double A, was pretty impressive. Finished kind of weak in his lap, but it was only 27 games there at AAA, moving up a level. What are your thoughts on how he's going to do this year? Because I think most people are pretty bought in on him as a prospect and getting there. What are your thoughts on him in terms of buying him at this price going into his rookie season? Uh, As far as the price here, I think it's fine. Uh, What are we, round 14? I definitely like eat. Yeah, I definitely like eating more for this year. Uh, they're basically in the same spot. Adele certainly has blow up potential, uh-huh. but there's also a chance he's not up till June. So I don't know. I really, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of things here that I'm just not sure about. I'm not sure about when he's going to be up, and. I don't think that he's a lock to be really good when he comes up. I guess you could say nobody is, but I could see it being a little bit of growing pains in the first year. But that said, I mean, it doesn't change how I feel about him as a prospect. He's, he's going to be awesome long-term, but not, uh, not necessarily huge on him this year, but in this spot, you know, just on the, uh, the blow up potential alone, I don't think it's bad. So. I agree. With, I got a lot to say here um, on Adele because my instincts want to say this guy's going to come up and struggle. I really feel strongly about that because he's only play, played a handful of games in AAA. He was good in AA. Strikeout rate's still pretty high for a guy coming up through these minors and he's moving up pretty fast through these levels this last year. Um, I, going Getting all the way up to AAA as a 20-year-old. But I, on that and that same note, and I think I've told you this once before this offseason, that's exactly what I was saying a year ago about Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis Jr. in 88 games in AA the year before last had a 27.7% strikeout rate, he, but was hitting 16 home runs, 16 steals. Saw him play in AA here in AA Springfield, and I just didn't think he'd be ready. And then he came up and performed. Even though the strikeouts were there, he was just, he was really good just filling up those categories. And I can't help but think about that in the back of my mind. And for that reason, yeah, if I could get Adele here in the 15th round, I'll gladly do it and take the chance because Fernando Tatis, had he played the full season, would have been a league winner for a lot of guys. And in the 15th round, I think it's worth taking that shot. I t- I agree. I think I'd take Eaton over him, but when I look at a lot of these other guys, I'm per- I'm fine taking him here. 
Yeah, one thing I'll say about Adele, and some people are probably say this doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't a ton, but I've heard multiple interviews with Adele mm, this yeah. offseason. And let me just tell you, this kid is like they great, you know, you hear stuff like 80 grade makeup. He has it. Yes. Like he totally gets it. He's a hard worker. Like this isn't the type of guy that I'm worried about as far as like coming up and not putting the effort in or being not lazy, stuff coaches. like that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. He, he has like, he totally gets everything. So combine that with the fact that he has a ton of talent. Did you see the, uh, the jump thing he did when he jumped the box? Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. What was it? Like a, was that like 55 inches or so? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. That was crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Obviously tons of talent. I mean, really, uh, really just smart guy, well put together. And uh, if he doesn't figure it out this year, he's going to figure it out soon. So uh, I, I could see him coming up and exploding, too. I'm just I'm not really sure. I think it's about the right spot. If you are high on him, go for it. You know, it's not going to kill you in this spot. There's a guy a little further down that I probably am more likely to take a shot on, especially because it's further down of like the kids. But mm-hmm. um you know, I totally get it with Adele. I don't think I'll end up with shares because this 206 ADP, I think, is going to keep moving up. That's another yeah. one of those that I think will keep rising as we get later into the offseason. Especially especially if there's any whisper of him possibly being up really early in the year. And the That's Angels the are trying to compete. I don't think they're going to be messing around long. I could see him being up opening day. If not, I could easily see him being up right there about that time, that seventh year of service time's up. The good thing with Adele, too, is there's a clear opening in the outfield with um, Brian Goodwin taking up one of the spots. I mean, he's just kind of a placeholder, you know? So, Yeah, that's more reason to believe he's up early. Yeah, nothing against Brian Goodwin, but I think it's pretty clear that that's – He's not going to be holding Adele down. So I've always kind of liked Goodwin, but yes, he's not a guy I'm wanting to give full-time at-bats to. He's a fourth outfielder. I've just always liked him as a fourth outfielder that I'd like to have on my teams. Yeah, I have two. Uh, Verdugo, Upton, I, any thoughts on those? I mean, Upton sure has fallen here. I'm pretty sure he was a top 100 player still last year. He's tumbled down here to 234. Buying opportunity? Yeah, yeah with uh, real quick, just with Verdugo, I almost feel like just take what I said about Tucker. I have no idea. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know what they're what they're going to do with him. I mean, I think he's a pretty good hitter. Doesn't have a lot of power. Doesn't have a lot of speed. I mean, he's not as good as Tucker, but um, it's just a similar situation in that I don't really know what to expect as far as at bats and stuff like that. I mean, if he gets full time at bats, he's probably a pretty good pick here. Upton, I like. I know we've said it before. Uh, this is round. 16 I think when I originally was saying I liked him it was round 17 and I remember saying I wouldn't want it to be too much higher because it would get to a point where I would just be like no but in this spot I think there's enough power good enough lineup you know as long as he stays healthy I think I don't think there's really any way that Justin Upton doesn't return pick 234 overall so I'm in on Upton at this spot yeah as long as he's healthy I completely agree Okay, proven, move on to th- proven power. It's just proven power, you know. Yep, the batting average may not be what it was. I mean, it keeps slipping, but on the same note, proven pop. 
and yeah. a good lineup around him, and he does know how to take walks, so he's going to have a solid OBP still. Uh, moving on, we got uh, we're I've got a we're gonna go more here in bigger chunks of groups. Uh, sixty and sixty-one are guys we've got at infield positions we've either already talked about or going to. Luis Arias, Arias. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that with the Twins. Second base outfield eligibility. We'll talk about him on second base. John Birdie. He plays all over the infield and outfield. I think we discussed him already at third. And let's talk about sixty-two through seventy here. These guys range from picks two forty-two to two sixty-four. So now we're talking the late teens on the rounds here. Avisel Garcia with the Brewers at 242. Ryan Bronze, outfielder 63. Uh, AJ Pollock with the Dodgers at outfielder 64. Brian Anderson, discussed him on third base. He's at 65. Nomar Mazar with the White Sox, 66. 67 is his old teammate, Shin Su Chu. 68, Hunter Renfro with Tampa Bay. 69, Austin Hayes with Baltimore. And 70 is David Peralta. So, Andrew, who sticks out to you on this list? And I will add, when I wrote this group down, I knew there was at least one guy I've heard you talk about liking. Yeah, honestly, this list, there's I actually like most of them. Uh, nobody sticks out specifically from the other. I think they all obviously have their warts. I mean, we're looking at outfielder four fives maybe even slanted more towards outfield five guys. So um, nobody that specifically sticks out. Uh, the guy I guess I'll mention is uh, Avi Garcia. I think that's who you were going to say. Yep. Um, I kind of like him this year. I've never, uh, never really been too in on him, but there's pop. There's a little bit of speed. I mean, his sprint speed is actually really high, 90th percentile in the league, which, which kind of shocked my, me. Yeah, blew my mind. Yeah, when I saw it. Um, but uh, career expected batting average, 278. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to hurt you there. He may even help you. And obviously, going to Miller Park pretty much helps anybody. I mean, we've seen it with a lot of hitters in the past few years. When they go there, their stats kind of get a boost. So I like him as long as he doesn't get phased out of playing time. I think the main way that would happen is if Smoke and Braun were both simultaneously on fire. But if that's not happening, I think we're good as far as Avi. So like him. But honestly, I like a lot of these guys. I mean, I think you could say Pollock, Brian Anderson, even Mazzara, who I've crapped on in the past. Chu, for sure. Uh, Renfro has power. Austin Hayes, there's some uncertainty, but Baltimore's a good hitter's park. I mean, going and even Peralta, I mean, he was really good the year before last, just was hurt last year some. So I think all these guys, it's kind of just pick your guy and uh, take your fifth outfielder. You know, I like uh, I like most of them. Choose my guy. Um, I had a lot of shares of him, I think, last year in mocks and at least one draft and Managed to get 39 home runs plus steals out of that guy last year. That was more than I expected. It was 27 the year before, 34 the year before that. I just, I think he consistently is underrated. And yeah, he's a 37-year-old outfielder at this point. But I'm going to keep drafting him until I get burned, I think is my thought on him. Because right now, I'm I'm in on that price. Interesting about Mazzara, but you're right. I mean... 
He's now down here as an outfielder five as compared to being in more of an outfielder three or four the last couple of years. He was probably an outfielder two at some point. But, yeah. yeah, going, I mean, it's good to see him go into a new scenery. He's got some struggles. I know he's, I again, I think Matt Williams talked about him on Twitter, and his hole is fastballs up. That's been the problem with him, getting up to fastballs up in the zone has been a big weakness for him, just high velocity. But, man, he's watching him hit when he got a, gets a hold of him, his he doesn't have quite gallo power, but it's not far off. He's got that kind of level of just missiles. I think he hit one 500 plus feet last year. He got a hold of one. He's just, I, I keep looking at that potential. Maybe it'll never happen. I'm losing faith in it, but man, I think if he ever does figure out the adjustment that he needs to make, he could be a stud, but yeah, at yeah, least he's not field five on him. My take with Mazzara has pretty much always been about his price. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's better than it's ever been. I mean, I could definitely see a scenario where he goes to a new team, the change of scenery helps. He's, what, 24, 25? And he's going as a fifth outfielder. So it just – it's better now than it's been in the past for sure. Will he, will he pan out? Maybe not. I mean – the other names around here, though, they have similar warts to me. So I think it's – if you want to take a shot on him here, I, I think it's fine. The negative is he could be hitting at the bottom of that White Sox lineup because they have a lot of bats there, and especially if he's not performing well, he could get moved yeah. down there. I think he'll start the year down there, but that can always change. You, it's hard. You don't want to put too much projection into that, especially because if he is hitting down there and they're all clicking, it might if they're clicking – He's down there on a good lineup. I mean, we talked before about the Twins. Really doesn't matter where you hit. You're probably going to have good run batted RBI opportunities. Okay, well, let's move on to the next group, uh, 71 through 80. I'm going to – these range from pick 266 to 323. These are outfield five guys. Uh, Austin Riley with the Braves. I don't remember if we talked about him on the third base podcast. I don't, I'm guessing he probably wasn't even eligible there, so we probably didn't. Will Myers with the at 72. Mark Canna at 73 with Oakland. Nico Goodrum, he's got a lot of infield eligibility. We'll probably, I think we've already talked about him. Randall Gridgick at 75. Sam Hilliard at 76. Corey Dickerson, 77. Brett Gardner at 78. Kevin Pilar at 79. Unsigned free agent still. And Greg Polanco, Gregory Polanco with the Pittsburgh Pirates at outfielder number 80. So you liked a lot of guys from that previous list as outfielder fives. Maybe you had other needs and you ended up waiting further on outfielder. Maybe you're into the reserve rounds and you want to grab one of these guys as a reserve. Who on these guys are you most likely to take a flyer on? Uh, I don't know if any one of them specifically sticks out. Have you uh, have you looked at what Mark Canna did last year? Yes, and that's the one that I was going to bring up. Because yeah. it is absolutely ridiculous, actually. Yes. I mean, I, I'm looking at his um, – so he had, for the season, a 396 OBP. In the second half last year, he slashed 301, 415, 
528 with a 155 WRC plus. I mean, I'm not saying that this stuff is going to continue, but there's a lot of good things here, especially when you consider where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, I'll always say when we're, you're at this stage of the, of the draft, just take your guy. I mean, the order, the further you go down, the order is less important. I mean, if you wanted to take any of these guys way, you know, above the next group, just do it. I mean, it's not the, the order is kind of, uh, it's not a big deal, but, um, yeah, he kind of just sticks out a little bit to me there. I mean, it was just a huge season last year, really. It kind of flew under the radar until I read some stuff recently about him. So, and the yeah, projections, I, for, the projections for this year are pretty good too. So, I read a good deep dive about him. He some changes he made, and I don't remember them now. It was a good, it was a few weeks, month ago, but it caught my attention and. It, I went from thinking Mark Hanna and just overlooking him to thinking, Ooh, I definitely would take this guy as an outfielder five. He's definitely a guy who I could see myself pursuing in these drafts. Now that one, once I get started as a guy who I'm in on and the rest on those, what about Sam Hilliard? That guy, he's kind of a, he's, he's one that is also kind of volatile, real good power speed tools. Strikes out quite a bit. Colorado, is he going to start? Is he going to get the playing time? Or what are your thoughts on Hilliard? Uh, I think at this price, it's fine. I'm not sure about the playing time. Obviously, Colorado. I mean, we've we've gone down that road, but um, I think if he if he gets the playing time, he could be sneaky. Yeah, pick 300. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. And I, I just. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and back on him because you're taking him a pick 300. I don't know if I'm a fan of him, the player. But, man, if I'm wrong, he's got the power speed tools to be really good. And I know a lot of people are in on that guy. Um, let's see. Is there anybody else that sticks out to me? I think those were the ones I wanted to cover. Anybody else before I move on to the next group? Nope, that's good. Okay, let's move on to outfielders in the 80s here. Uh, Dylan Carlson, outfielder, rookie for the, or I should say prospect for the Cardinals at 81. And by the way, these guys rank from 325 to 351. So we're in the basically end game for outfielders here. Trent Grisham with the Padres at 82. And then we got, I actually have Kevin Pillar on here twice, so that's not right. David Fletcher with the uh, Angels at 84, Cole Calhoun with the Arizona Diamondbacks, 85, 86, Domingo Santana, 87, Mike Yastrzemski with the Giants. Number 88 is Yoshi Tsutsugo. I cannot say that name. I even heard you say it earlier. Yeah, Tsutsugo. That one's hard for me. With Tampa, Jesse Winker with the Reds at 89, and Kevin Kiermaier at 90. Okay, we definitely have to talk about Dylan Carlson first. 325 ADP, that's the 22nd round. And I can guarantee you that any draft that either of us are in, he's going well before that. 
So, Andrew, why don't you start this off and tell me what you think, where you would consider taking Carlson and just talk about your thoughts about him, the player. So I would, um, I was thinking about this actually, because we've talked, we've talked at length about Carlson, not so much maybe on here, but just separate from the podcast. Um, we have dynasty just, shares, both of yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. I would be comfortable. So in my draft and hold that I did on NFBC, I took him in round 16. It was pick, I'm pulling it up here, 235 overall. I would be comfortable pretty much anywhere after pick 200. So I guess pick 200, you're looking at, what's that, like the 14th round? 14th round, Jock Peterson, Adam Eaton, Joe Adele, Verdugo. Yeah. That's that range. Yep. Yeah, I'm comfortable in there. Um, 14 to 16 would probably be. And and here's the thing. Okay, so it's like his ADP is the 22nd round. But when it's your guy and Dylan Carlson is my guy of like all these guys going up, the difference between a 16th and a 22nd round pick is it's just it's really nothing. I mean, it's not that it's not enough to deter me from taking him. Um, I feel like if you do it, I mean, when I took him, he was my fifth outfielder, I believe. Fifth, it actually might have been my sixth because I think I, I took Hunter Dozier and he's dual eligible. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's my fi- you know fifth outfielder, whatever. Basically, is where you're drafting him. And the only all you have to do is if you take Dylan Carlson or you want Dylan Carlson, you take him, and you just make sure you take another outfielder of this group of all these guys. I mean, like I don't think that um, can, when you consider at least what I think he could do when he does come up. And the upgrade that it'll be, I mean, you could go from 60 to probably 90 on this list of outfielders and argue that a lot of these guys are just the same anyways. Mm -hmm. So why not take the one that you could see pushing OF2, OF3 status when he does play? And I I think Carlson can do that. So I'm definitely comfortable taking him in like, yeah, that round 14, 16 range. As far as him as a player, I mean, last year between double A and triple A, mostly in double A, he had 26 homers, 20 steals, 292, 372, 542 slash line. Um, and the WRC plus was 142 and 161 in double A and triple A. Mostly in double A, where it's mostly not the A. juiced ball. Correct. Yeah, mostly double A. Huge breakout. I mean, he's a former first round pick, so the pedigree's there. I, d- I don't really see any holes with this guy. I mean, he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks. He, I feel like he's going to hit. I feel like he's going to have some pop. I feel like he's going to have some speed. And maybe most importantly, I think he's the Cardinals' best outfielder today. And when you kind of add all of that up, especially the Cardinals' depth chart. I mean, when you look at the Cardinals' <laughs> outfield, Tommy Edmond, 
who's fine. I mean, I like Tommy Edmond, but Dylan Carlson's a better player. Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler. I mean, none of those guys are holding Dylan Carlson down. None of them. No. And that's three spots. So I think he's going to get in there. I won't be surprised if in like a month, month to month and a half, like shortly before the season, they're talking about signing him to some type of extension and he's up early opening day, potentially mate. I wouldn't predict that, but I think it's in play. Oh, they're going to be trying. You know they're going to be sitting there talking to him, trying. Yeah, and especially when you add on to it that they didn't get Ozuna, and this is a competing team. I just think all the stars are aligned for him to potentially take off. I mean, I think he he has a similar skill set. I know I've said it before to, like, Austin Meadows type, you know, and – um. Yeah, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of things I like about Dylan Carlson. I don't, I don't really see too many negatives other than you could say he just hasn't had a major league at bat yet. And, you know, maybe I'll regret it for that. Maybe he doesn't come up till June. I mean, it's possible. I would probably project, like if I had to pinpoint it, I'd probably guess late April, early May. But I think it could be before that, and I recognize it could be after that. I'm willing to just take another outfielder in this range and plug him in until Carlson comes up. I don't think that there's much risk in doing that, especially when you consider where you're at in the draft and the potential payoff. You know, it's the last five to eight, ten years where teams have paid a lot more attention to service time. They really, I don't think they watched it like they have for the last 10 years. And the Cardinals haven't had a hitting prospect like this other than Oscar Tavares, who came up at the very end of the 2014 season, I want to say. I could, I think that was 2014. If not, it was 2013. They haven't had a guy to where the question's out there, what are they going to do with the service time? I, this is the first time I've really seen this question really asked to where there's no real historical thing you can go off of to know. But what they definitely do is they've the Cardinals over the last decade to 15 years, they like getting these up these guys who come up and perform to signing six, eight-year deals real quick. And... Yeah, I definitely think they're going to be working with Carlson on that. Question is, is he going to want to sign or if he's is he going to want to hold out? But is there a player that raised their stock more in the last calendar year than Dylan Carlson? Question I was sitting there wondering. Nah, there's not. I don't think there's a prospect. Uh, yeah, player maybe, but off the top of my head, can't really can't really think of one. The other the other thing too is. I feel like not only could all of that stuff that I mentioned happen, but I, I think that there's an avenue to him hitting near the top of this lineup too. Oh, yes. Because I think he's their two-hitter. I think right, he's in that two-hole. Yeah, right now, roster resource shows Dexter Fowler and Colton Wong at 1-2. And, uh, yeah, I just I don't think that they're the type of guys that could be unseated from that. Switch hitter, uh, there was a video that came out last year, and I could probably find it. I actually saw it not too long ago. Uh, it was just a, whole, a highlight of one of Carlson's home runs. And when I saw it, 
I remember I, me- I messaged you or somebody else, and I said, look at that swing. That is Cody Bellinger's swing. You t- messaged me. I remember and, that. And the next day, or hours later, maybe, on Twitter, there was a split-screen shot of Carlson's swing and Bellinger's swing. I kid you not. It was hours after I said it. because, And I've seen the replay since, and every time when I see it, I'm like, oh, my God, that just it reminds me of Bellinger. And I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be. but um, You heard it here first. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to like with this guy. I mean, between proximity and across-the-board talent, I, I think that um, I think he's set up real nicely to kind of take off, and um, his value should definitely be higher in a year than it is now. I try to get autographs being in double-A Springfield. I live in right near Springfield, Missouri, and I get to a lot of games, and I'm going to beat myself up for years for not trying to get there to get an autograph of his. But I did see him play a couple times last year. Specifically, the memorable one will be last July when I saw him get a face McKenzie Gore for a game. And what really stood out to me, Gore being this incredibly electric player pitcher, is Carlson stood in there against him and he did not look overmatched. He sat there and worked a real good count and he in his first at bat and he hit a hard grounder up the middle that skidded off of Gore and he got a base hit. But watching him, it was incredibly pr- impressive to see him going up against who a guy who most people view as the best pitching prospect in the minor leagues. And he didn't look a least bit overmatched. He was right there ready to go against him. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a fan. Yeah. One last thing, too. and We could go on all day about this. I was about to say one have. last thing. We but, got eight uh, more things. <laughs> yeah. But um, kind of going back to what I was saying with Adele as far as makeup goes, one thing I just noticed was last year when in the Futures game, he got a sing. He hit a single. He runs to first base. And every response, when he responded to the first base coach, he called him sir. Mm. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Great. Or thank you, sir. It just was a lot of that. And I just thought, like, this guy gets it. Like, you you know, just the makeup thing, you know, it's um, – I don't think you're going to have to worry about any type of issues with that. His dad's a coach. I believe it's in – California or somewhere. I'm not positive on that, but um, yeah, it just, I can't really even find a negative with Carlson. So we can yeah, stop can. going on. We yes, can stop you can. You've got there. one. He's a Cardinal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> so you just mentioned the makeup and I've got, I can't, I got one more thing straight up. You're in the 15th round and you're looking and Carlson and Adele are there. Are you taking Carlson straight up? I, I honestly think Carlson will have a better season. This I year. agree. Yeah. I agree. So, and like you said, that doesn't mean you just wait longer on Carlson. If you want him, and especially after listening to us talk, if you think of anywhere like us, then yeah, you grab him much earlier than this. Okay. Um, I think we just went for 82 minutes on Carlson. So let's give 82 seconds for the rest of these guys. <laughs> Uh, Brock Smith asked our thoughts on Domingo Santana and Andrew. He went to Seattle and he had the playing time last year and was okay. 253 average, 21 home runs in 121 games. 
Started out strong in the first half with a 286 average and 18 home runs in 90 games. I definitely remember reaping the benefits of that as I got him in the reserve rounds of the draft and hold for baseball 365 last year. And I knew second half wasn't good, but I did not remember how dreadful it was. He only played 30 games, had some injuries, but the second half, he in those 30 games, he had three home runs, hitting 130, I think, was the batting average. And he struck out 48 times in 108 plate appearances, but ugly. So Brock wants to know, what are our thoughts about Santana going into 2020? What are yours? Uh, I think he's just kind of a one-dimensional player. I mean, you're going to get some power. Uh, I just have to laugh here. Last year, you know, I said the thing about Malix with a 0.0 war. (laughs) I'm looking right now. Domingo Santana. In the same outfield, mind you, 121 games, 0.0 war. That is just unbelievable. But, um, I mean, lots of strikeouts, really high strikeout rate. He's okay here. I don't love him, but, I mean, he's fine. He's going to give you power. Probably not much average. Handful of steals is what it is. Well, let me ask you this. Let's take Carlson out of the mist because I know Carlson's the pick. You're in the reserve rounds here. Which of these ten or nine other guys are you grabbing first? Uh, I would probably take a shot on Sasuko. Yeah, these guys, just because there's an uh, enough unknown there that when comparing a bunch of similar fifth outfielders, I'd rather take the guy that I could dream that is a little bit better than that. But I mean, I don't even love him either. Just you know, Whoever, a lot of a lot of similar guys here. I took Cole Calhoun in my Rotomasters draft and hold, and I think he fell quite a bit further than this, and that's why it's not like I was in love with him. I just thought, man, there's some real good value in him. But um, yeah, Sasuko's the one we don't know. A lot of these other guys are pretty much in a blender. They're the same guy. Kiermaier speed, good yeah, power speed I- combo. I think I like him on this list. I was going to say him, too, just because you know he'll play because of the defense. Yes. He's got some a little bit of pop and some speed. So, What about Mikey Isdremski? You know, I think what what's his relation to Carl? I think he's his grand, grandson. I think grandson. his grandson. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? On, do you have any thoughts on him? Because I know there yeah. are people that like him. No thoughts or just eh. no, no interest. Yeah. I just. I just don't think there's really any upside. I'd rather take somebody that I, I can hope for a little bit better. I mean, yeah. he'll, pl- he'll play, but Giants outfield, Giants park, or just Giants in general, I, I don't want anything to do with their hitters right now. Maybe in like four years, but not now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on. I'm, I'm going to do a list of 20 here, and I'm just going to read them off, not even give you numbers. Anthony Santanda, Santander with Baltimore, Ian Happ with Chicago, Ender Enciarte with uh, San Francisco. No, that's not right. That's Atlanta. Teoscar Hernandez with Toronto, Brandon Nemo, Jose Peraza, Marwin Gonzalez, Garrett Cooper, Stephen Piscotti, Mike Talkman, Victor Reyes, Josh Rojas, Kyle Lewis, Harrison Bader, Jackie Bradley, Chris Taylor, Manny Margot, Delino DeShields, Jose Martinez, and Jason Hayward. A lot of names I just listed off there. Are there any of these guys that you might be seeking as a reserve round guy, maybe for some upside or 
if you're in a draft and hold, you kind of want them for the steadiness. Uh, I actually, and I'll just mention it because he's on this list, but when I took Carlson in that draft, I took Jackie Bradley Jr. behind him. Okay. And mostly just because I know he's going to get at bats. Yes. And um, I, I don't know. I've always liked Jackie Bradley Jr. I think a little bit more than the average person, just because I know there's a floor that he's going to be in the lineup. Um, that said, I mean, I don't think he's that good of a hitter or anything, but as a fifth outfielder, that's a plug until Carlson's there. I think he's fine. Uh, so yeah, him, uh, Jose Martinez, if he gets the playing time, I think he'd be pretty good. And we'll see on that. Tampa does a lot of platoons and stuff, so who knows. But Kyle Lewis, I kind of like. Same thing, though. These guys all have playing time question marks, or at least most of them. So, But, yeah, anybody that you can uh, dream on a little bit more than where they're at here just depends on your situation, what you're looking for, if you're just looking to shoot for the moon or if you need, like, steady at-bats. I mean, there's kind of a mixed bag with all these guys, so. I want Manny Margot to get traded because I still like him as a long-term guy, as a possibility. Who I still think he could eventually figure it out a little bit, but he's now a fourth outfielder in San Diego, and it's going to take some injuries for him to get playing time. I just want him to get moved. Um, Stephen Piscotti is the guy who, if I'm looking for just playing time, that's the guy I'm going to be grabbing on this list as a steady guy who he missed some time last year with injury quite a bit, actually. Only 93 games played, but... I kind of like him as just a fill in there as you're, especially in a draft and hold in a redraft league. I'm not saying I'm drafting him. I'm probably shooting for the moon and trying to grab like a Jose Martinez. I'd be more interested in a guy like that. Um, yeah, I think that'd probably be my li- my name from there. So, okay, let's move past 110 here. I didn't even list him off, but. Just as you're scrolling down and looking at the guys after that, is there anybody that stands out to you as a guy you find interesting? Uh, Jake Fraley a little bit in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I think if he gets playing time, uh, there's enough across the board potential there on a team that probably won't be very good that uh, I think he's worth a late flyer. I actually took him in that draft as well. Um, not a lot. It's pretty ugly down here. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, these are in game guys. Yeah. Some of these guys, it's just in the standard draft, you're probably not uh, even drafting. It's more just draft and holds and maybe stashes if it's like a injury or something like that, you know. I only got one I want to bring up, and that's Yoannis Cespedes. I took him in the 40-some-odd round in the draft and hold. I think he should be continuing to move up because he's showing signs of being healthy or at least possibly being ready. You don't know. It may be a wasted pick, but in the reserve round, I think the upside's there to where I would invest in that guy in in the reserve rounds of a draft just trying to shoot for somebody up there. I think that's one I would like. So I've got okay, a, I've got a super sleeper here. Okay, actually, uh, what pick is this? Pick six ninety seven. So basically, the end of fifty round drafts. Magnuris Sierra for Miami. Okay, 
I think that as bad as that team is, he could get some run. I had him in a couple dynasty leagues last year, just kind of in and out of my lineup for steals. And, um, I mean, Miami's clearly awful. So I could see him contributing in, like, batting average and steals. Doesn't have much power. But this late, I mean, why not, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's on the right squad. They've got a lot of those. I I know they signed Corey Dickerson, and I think they've got – I could see – that that team signing Yasiel Puig. I'm trying to pull up their lineup right now. Yeah, they've yeah. got they've got Dickerson, Brinson, and uh, Brian Anderson slated in the outfield. They've actually so got, in other words, they've got an opening with Lewis Brinson. They've actually got VR at third, which I don't know if that'll actually happen, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I just think if I think Sierra, it's like there. I think it's one of those things where in like. You can be sitting there in June. It's like Sierra's hitting at the top of the Marlins lineup and getting some steals, you know, and it is what it is in that spot, but. Okay. Well, there we go. Magnerius, Sierra, or however, I think I may have just butchered that. Well, let's take a break here. We've got some listener questions. When we get back, we'll get to here in just one second. We had some final questions here that I wanted to touch up on that we moved to the end of the show. James Boyd Sims, who asked a question earlier, asked, who are the top prospects banging at the door? Now, Adele, Robert, Carlson, those are the obvious guys. We've already talked about them, but who are the other ones? They're outfield. They're always outfielders that move in each year. Who are the ones that stick out to you, Andrew? Uh, I don't know if too many of them really stick out. Uh, I think that Seattle, there's some openings, like I'd mentioned with uh, Fraley and Lewis, possibly getting in there. Um, Austin Hayes in Baltimore, potentially. Hmm? I think there's some possible playing time there. He's actually slated in their lineup on roster resource. That guy uh, played... Do you remember that Austin Hayes played in September of 2017? I would. I thought it was 18, but yeah, no. I mean, I knew it was one of them, yeah. I'm looking now to make sure I've got that right, but I'm pretty sure I had him in I, the first year of Rotomasters 2, and I traded him before. I'm looking to make sure. Yes, 20 games with the Orioles in 2017. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it is. So yeah, there's the the standouts are the ones we mentioned. Um, there's you know could be an opening at some point for Christian Pache in Atlanta, maybe even Waters, but the Ozuna signing kind of clouds that a little bit. Especially Waters. I do think Pache will be up later in the year, but maybe not till like August or something like that great center fielder i mean i i think he'll be in there kind of at the end of the year so but yeah no not a not a ton of other ones i guess at least not any come to mind for you um the only only one actually a couple more taylor trammell 
he really finished strong at the very end of last year in the minor leagues. I think I heard something about him move his hands. So they made an adjustment with his hands and he finished real good. I think in the fall, the, I don't know if it was the fall league or the minor league playoffs, but he definitely had a nice little finish after switching organizations. I don't even know if the numbers showed it, but because I think he was continuing to struggle. I watched him in double a Chattanooga last summer and, that guy's a very frustrating like player for pitchers and catchers to have to hold. He seems like he's a guy. He's fun to watch run. Um, only other one I was going to bring up is actually, I guess, we'll move into another question. As Ben Hoban asked if Julio Rodriguez, if he wins the MVP this year, or if we have to wait until 2021 for that MVP season. <laughs> I guess we can't rule out the possibility that this guy could be up with what he just did last year with a broken hand, I think, in the middle of the season. And he still made it to high A as a, what, 18-year-old? Yeah. Can we, we – there is – would you say there's a non-zero chance he's up this year? Oh, it's, yeah, definitely. What, what percent – I was going to ask you, what percent chance you think? Three to five. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's high, but I – I'll go three to. Actually, he's nineteen years old. He. You're saying you're saying three to five percent. That he's up this year. Yes. Oh wow. You're much higher than me, then, huh? I mean, I think it's like twenty percent, twenty five percent. Yeah. As an owner in two dynasty leagues and somebody who still took him at the end of the Roto Masters draft and hold, I hope you're right. <laughs> I'm yeah, cheering for you to be right. Uh, I don't think it probably happens, but um, probably the other guy in Seattle has a better chance, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Yeah, Kelnick's gotten to double A and played 20 games in double A as compared to Rodriguez, who's got 17 games in high A. And that doesn't that's not the be-all, end-all. I think I like Rodriguez much, but I like him much better as a prospect. That's not me crapping on Kelnick as much as just I love Julio Rodriguez. That said... Ben Hoban, we should be asking you because I think I think we've mentioned this before, if not on the podcast, if we haven't. Ben Hoban actually predicted last year on another podcast that Julio Rodriguez would be a top 10 prospect at the end of the year. And here he is sitting there in the top five in most lists. So yeah, Ben I think it was I think it was that he would pet that he would pass Wander Franco, which hasn't happened, but it's it's pretty close. So Oh yeah, that's right. So he didn't yeah, quite get way, it right, but way, to get it that close, it's yeah, a win. It's a win. So yes, Ben, you tell us if he's going to be up this year because we need your we need your input because you're the one that's got the pulse on him. Okay, couple more listener questions. Russ Hinnon asked, "What about Bradley Zimmer's chances of playing time were in 2020? He's not listed as a starter, but the competition doesn't look that strong here." Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely think he gets a shot with the current, uh, current outfield. They have it showing Jake Bowers, Oscar Mercado, and Greg Allen. So yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like. Uh, what's Zimmer's status right now? Is he like healthy or I? Yeah. I haven't even. Is he? Yeah, he had the shoulder injury. Came and. Missed a lot of last year. He didn't make it up 
to the minor leagues, I think until September, like during the playoffs. He only played 10 games between AA and AAA, but that was at the very end. He was called up in September and was mostly a defensive replacement Yeah, in the last few weeks until like, I think he started one of the last games. He only had 14 plate appearances, but I think he's ready. I think it's more of a, they were competing, trying to make the playoffs and he was a guy who had only played 10 games in the last two years. So they weren't going to stick him out there, giving him regular bats. They played him the last weekend once they were eliminated. I think he started a game or two over that final weekend because I own him in a daily my other dynasty league. So I was watching him closely, and I think he's kind of – I mean, I don't think that there's restrictions going in this year. I think – I haven't heard anything, but I've just been under the assumption this is a normal offseason for him, and wouldn't surprise me at all if he's their starter on opening day and hit, probably hitting in the nine hole. That's where he hit most of his first year or two, but he was a guy who – a lot of people were thinking could be a 35 steel guy just a couple of years ago. So yeah, yeah. I'm a fan and he knows yeah, I, how to take walks. I think it's kind of just a wait and see thing. Cause obviously there's some potential openings there for playing time, but he also may not have the inside track at the moment. So I'll put it's it kind this of way. a, kind of a wait and see thing that could pan out though, for sure. I, I took him in the draft and hold around 30 to 33 and in our standard league, where you draft 30 rounds in a reserve round, I would definitely get in on him as one of my last reserve picks. Because if he's not playing there opening day, you can cut him. If if he if you think he's going to be getting playing time soon, hasn't really looked great in the spring. But if you hit, you could get yourself a solid player. I mean, it's I don't think he's got superstar upside, but I think he could be a solid player for them. Okay. Um, Jaron Foster asked about Tampa's suddenly outcrowded outfield DH situation. And I'll just add first base. Who am I kidding? First base, second base, shortstop, third base, outfield and DH crowded situation. Which players are worth targeting short and long term? It was Jaron's question. I don't know. Andrew, do you got an answer for me? Uh, I mean... They just platoon everybody. It's like one of those things that you look at Tampa and um, they obviously they have a good team. I mean, Morton, Snell, Glass now, awesome top of the rotation. Yarborough was even really good last year. But like I look at their lineup and I'm just like, how are these guys good? I mean, I know there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of platoon stuff going on. But right now on roster resource, they have. Yandy Diaz and G-Man Choi as their three and four hitters. I mean, that is just totally nuts. With Nate Lowe back in the minors. So, yeah, I mean, as far as guys to target, what was it, short and long term? Mm-hmm, yes. Um, I don't really feel that comfortable with any of these guys long-term. I mean, I think Adamus will be fine for a while until, uh, at least until Wander comes up. I mean, I don't know. One of those guys will probably move over. Uh, Brandon Lau's there too. So it's just, 
it's really hard to say. I feel like they just have so many guys for these spots. Bruhan's going to be coming up at some point, possibly this season. I feel like he could move around a lot too. I mean, how many of these guys are you actually comfortable saying that they're locked in long term? I would say Meadows. Yep, and maybe uh, Lau. Maybe Brandon Lau. I don't even. I, uh, I'm not, I'm even not certain. Yeah, I'm not even comfortable with him. I mean, maybe Kiermaier just because of his defense, but I don't even know what his contract's like. The rest of these guys, not too comfortable with saying that. So. I think Kiermaier's got a pretty long deal. I think I remember him signing a, yeah, signed a, well, he's got three more, yeah, he's got three more years on his contract. Signed a six-year, yeah. $53 million deal from in 2000, before 2017 with a 2023 club option. So yeah, yeah. Outfielder wise, yeah, it's just Meadows is the only one I'd feel safe about right now, short term. I mean, I'm a Brandon or a Nate Lowe owner in Dynasty, and I'm I should say I'm a frustrated Nate Lowe owner in Dynasty. Somebody asked me about him and tr- if I'd be if I'd move him, and I'm probably trying to compete this year. I think he's one of those that I'm not saying I'm like floating out there, but I'm not with all these people they keep signing. I'm not thinking that he's I'm not gripping him as tight as I was what do you what do you think's more likely and I'm only asking this because we just brought it up Wander Franco comes up this year or Julio Rodriguez comes up this year Julio Rodriguez okay as both of them are made it to high a correct uh yeah yes and I yeah, think Wander, Wander got more games in high A. Wander got promoted. It was right after I saw him in South Bend. It was um, July, right? Yeah, I want to say that was the end. It was right after their all the All-Star break because the mm-hmm. All-Star game was in South Bend. And I remember thinking he's going to go up at the All-Star because there was guys that were getting promoted to high A. And he didn't. He stayed for that series, and then he got promoted. So it was right after their All-Star break, which I want to say was – it might have even been late June. I can't remember where that was because I want to say it might have been before the regular All-Star game, like the MLB one. But, yeah, somewhere in there. there. I'll say it this way. I was just thinking about this. This one might blow your mind when I say it, I think Wander Franco is more likely to make his debut in 2022 than 2020. Well, I disagree with that. I hope you're right, but I, I just don't trust Tampa. I do no, not. Yeah, and I get that. It's, it's not, it's not a Wander Franco thing. I think if he was on any other team, I think there's a pretty good shot. We could see, I, I shouldn't say pretty good shot, a much better shot. We'd see him. If both of he and, Julio were in Seattle, I would have answered Wanda Franco, and I wouldn't have even hesitated. But I I tell you, if he isn't up by the end of 2021, something's gone wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's just, uh, I'd be very, very surprised. And even with it being Tampa, just because of the, I mean, he's the universal number one prospect. So I think it's most likely he's up in 2021. So before I say, like, I'm not saying I think he is up to 2021. I just, I was sitting there thinking about the two options. I'm like, I think it's more likely they would hold him. Maybe he doesn't make it above double A this year and triple A the next year. And they decide, nope, we're just going to play it. The 
the game. But no, if you had to be guessing uh, on when I think he debuts, I would say June 2021. Yeah, that's... They play the Super 2 game with him because he's a superstar. Sounds about right. So, yes. Well, we could have more Wanda Franco talk whenever we get to shortstops, but we... (laughs) We got Lou Landers with the last question. Asked if you'd take Aaron Hicks in a 15-team, 5-by-5 standard roto, knowing he's missing three or four months. And we looked it up. He's outfielder 125 on NFBC ADP ranks. So I guess you could almost ask this for two different types. If you're in a redrafter and a draft and hold, are those different? So would you take him or where? Uh, I'll admit I haven't read the most recent news on Hicks. If I was about to draft him, I definitely would. Uh, just going off what Lou said, because I'm assuming he, he's more plugged in because he's a Yankees guy. Uh, I would, in a 15-team standard, like 30 rounds, you know, just a regular league, I'd consider taking him in the last round and just throwing him on my DL and picking somebody up. Exactly. Um, but not any higher. I mean, not any higher than that. I, the thing is, is it's when Aaron Hicks is right. What is he like a third outfielder? Yes. Third outfielder, maybe fourth outfielder. I mean, that I think it's not something, it's not something that if I know he's out half the year that I'm really prioritizing. So if there's no cost attached to it, it's fine. I mean, last round pick, throw him on your DL, pick somebody up in a draft and hold, you said it's like five. I was trying to pull it back up. Five forty-four. What, yep, so what round is that? Any idea? Mid thirties. Actually, no. That's actually upper third. Five forty-four. Four fifty is thirty rounds. So you're talking the up the late thirties. Yeah, like thirty-six, thirty-seven. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'd do it there, just because. I don't really uh, like I don't really like uh, going into it just knowing like you have to fill out depth in these draft and hold sleep hold leaks. It's so easy to just say like shoot for the moon and you know I want upside upside, but um, in these type of leagues you have to have backups because when guys get hurt you can only work from your own roster. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I know going in, which I do know with Hicks that you know he's out three to four months, I don't know. It's just not that intriguing to me in that format. He's actually more appealing in a redraft standard league with DL slots, isn't he? No doubt. Oh, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Yeah, that's interesting. But I agree with you. You're right. That's pr- that's a really good assessment there. Okay, fill in the blanks. Well, I try to do these at the end of each position. The outfielders I think I'm most likely to have on my redraft teams are, may I have to scroll up, I mean, this, any of them, not just the ones we've talked about on this episode. Man, there's a, there's a bunch. There's a lot. Yeah, I'm going to try and spread it out a little bit. Uh, I will say George Springer. Good one. Um. Trying to go down a little further here. Michael Brantley. Oh, good one. Fran Mill Reyes. 
uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Adam Eaton, Dylan Carlson, and that's pretty much all I got. What about you? I'm trying to look and make sure I don't miss any of them, but I think I've covered them all, and there's, there's going to be other, some overlap. There's other guys I like, certainly, but those guys I just named, when it gets to the spot where they go, I'm always considering them possibly even above where they're going. So, Four of the seven you listed, or four of my seven are ones you listed, Eaton, Brantley, Carlson, Kutch. The three I'm going to add, Giancarlo Stanton, I think I've been well-known all offseason that I love his ADP. Yeah. Shinsu Chu, another guy I've loved for a long time. And Willie Calhoun, I think he's – I like his value where he's going. I think I like him as much as that tier above him, and I'll get him a couple rounds later. So those are mine. Okay, now for the negative. The outfielders I'm least likely to have on my team are – Keto Marte. Um, Victor Robles, Kyle Tucker. I don't know. Kyle Tucker, it's, it kind of depends. I guess if I, if it was below that ADP, I may be in on it if I haven't taken a shot yet, but Considering I'm going to take a shot on Carlson most likely later, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, Aquino, for sure. He'd probably be my number one. Malix. And that pretty much covers it. Because once you get once you get down low enough, mm-hmm. uh, there's no... You know, like I said before, a lot of the guys are the same, so it's hard to call it a bad pick when you start getting into like the 250 range and beyond. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to call that those picks bad. It's a lot easier to say it's bad when it's high in the draft. So, yeah, um, some of those you said I'm not going to repeat, but I'm in agreement on some of them. The only two I'm going to add in, one of them, actually, I don't think we talked about either one of them on the outfield podcast we talked about them on different positions but cody bellinger whit merrifield i think bellinger is a really good player i just don't think i'm as high on him as his adp and then whit merrifield with the loss and steals i just i don't think i'm in on him and then there's a bunch of them you said kyle tucker being the number the one that really stuck out to me there but there are two more that i just i just was scrolling through i'm like oh wait those are on my most likely take Max Kepler and Mark Canna. I think both of those guys have recently moved on to my radar as guys who I could see myself taking. Okay. One last thing to do. I mentioned this on one of our episodes last week. We got to make Super Bowl predictions here, Andrew. So we've got a great matchup here. The 49ers and the Chiefs. By the time this podcast is up, the game may be over for a lot of people. We're going to post this thing up on Saturday night. So some of you guys might hear it before the game, but who do you got chiefs or Niners and give me a score, man, this one's tough. (laughs) 
I, like I said, I, I think going in, this is one of the hardest ones to predict. And I, I've gone back and forth a lot. My, uh, my first instinct was Niners, and I wavered a little bit. But I'm going to stick with the Niners. I think they get it done. Um, I'm going to go... Twenty six to twenty one. Okay. I almost and, you want, and just so just to uh, add a little spice to that score. I'm in a um, <laughs> I'm in a big pool, like a big squares pool. You ever do squares? I've done it before, but it's been a long time. Yeah, so I'm in a pretty big one with my buddy. We split, um, we split, uh, kind of a, a squares with good buy-in. So like, there's huge payouts and stuff. And we have KC one and San Fran six as our as our numbers. <laughs> so that that's why I said twenty six twenty one. I don't know if that <laughs> I don't know if that'll actually be the score, but if it is, I'll be a. That's what a, you want. Happy camper, yeah. I almost wanted to just let you pick and ask if you want to make a 365 bet on it and take the other team because that's how I feel about this game. Yeah, it's a pick them. But do it. you you want to? Okay, I'll do it for I friends. Actually, what's funny is just before you say anything, I was uh, I was thinking in my head, let's make a three because I thought just in my head that you were going to take the Chiefs. I am a Missouri guy, and I grew up a Chiefs fan. But I picked um, – I – Pretty much have held steadfast that I think the Niners, even though it's close, and I picked 31-24. But just for grins for a 365 bet, I'll take the Chiefs. Cool. Hail to my home Chiefs. Uh, For those that don't know, I grew up a Chiefs fan, and I grew fed up with them always trading for backup quarterbacks my whole life. And the day they traded for Alex Smith was the last day I considered myself a Chiefs fan. And I had already kind of made the Packers my second team. And they were moving their way into the first team already. And then I was done that day. But good for them. They finally drafted themselves a quarterback. And look what happened. Now they have the most fun offense in the NFL. And a kid who is awesome as a character, as a player. He's The Chiefs are in a really good position for a long time. And I can tell you that. I work in the Little Debbie business and going into grocery stores right now and trying to get a display that's not football related is very hard to do because that's all anybody wants is chief stuff. And we don't have that. So I have not had good success selling in displays the last couple of weeks. And if I have, it's been a, yeah, let's do that after the Super Bowl because all anybody wants is chiefs. Everything. Everybody is so pumped up down here. There were so many Facebook posts last week of, people in tears because they've never seen the chiefs in the super bowl and they're seeing it for the first time in their life. So I'm cheering for the chiefs, not as a fan. I'm not going to be that lame guy that goes back, but mostly for all my friends around here who have stuck with them through all this. I want to say, yeah, I definitely, uh, I've got a cousin that lives in uh, Kansas city. He's a big chiefs fan. He's actually at the AFC championship game Couple cousins that live out there actually, but uh, oh, I love I love Patrick Mahomes too. It's like one of those things. I mean, he's great. I don't have any problem with either team winning. So 
I just think the Niners are a little better all around. But yes, Mahomes, I agree. Is, de- Mahomes is definitely the best player in the game and capable of winning the game. So it'll be fun and for sure. Like we said, it could. It's close. It's yeah. tough to pick this one. It feels. I don't remember the last time I felt this tied about one. Maybe ever. Yeah, doesn't mean it'll be a great game, but it nope. shapes up. To, shapes up to be at least. No, a lot of times the ones that seem like they're going to be are, are terrible and vice versa. Football, you never know. But I think we've recorded long enough between these two episodes. We've put in some t- content out there. So let's get out of here and get back next week. And we'll get back to the infield, try to do probably second or we'll do second base or shortstop. And not long after that, we'll be talking about some other stuff too, sub drafts and all that good stuff. But We've already talked about all that. We've been on long enough. If you've been listening to us for these last three outfield shows that we've provided, you have been listening for a long time, and we (laughs) thank you for your support. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. And until next week, take care, everybody. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.